All right, friends, here we are. We're streaming. Stefan Maia with you at itssouls.com, the website. Wednesday, midweek studies. We're in the book of Genesis, finding ourselves in chapter 44 and running through chapter 45, verse 15, in regards to Joseph and his brothers and Egypt, and uh, a very emotional, very emotional time that's going to be uh, witnessed and recorded therein. So uh, housekeeping stuff, right? Let's do that because that's very important. That's what allows us to keep moving forward with the things we have at the studio. Content building. Things with value and substance. Friends, listen. Sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can sign up over there for free. And you can choose to support monthly. No amount is too low or too high. And you will have access, of course, to some exclusive content. There is also the PayPal option. Email address addedsouls at gmail.com. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ in New Brunswick, Canada. And you can check out the .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com. And our Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. Please subscribe Give us a thumbs up, share the link far and wide, and leave us a comment. That helps the uh, material reach uh, farther, further, all that kind of good stuff. All right, so we're going to put up on the screen the scripture uh, at hand and where we are at. If you would like to go to the archive videos, you can go with us back to Genesis chapter 1. We've been going through the book of Genesis on Wednesdays for our Bible study sessions. That is what we are themed for on Wednesdays, is to study the scriptures. And uh, if you look at the itinerary, uh, you'll see what we do from, ten, uh, uh, from Monday to Friday, uh, each day having its theme, and we go live for the early bird podcast sessions at 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time over here in uh, the greater hub city of New Brunswick, Canada. Genesis chapter 44 is where we are at. And um, Joseph's brothers, of course, a famine is happening, right? A famine is upon the land. This was revealed by God through Joseph to the Egyptian powers, and the Egyptian powers uh, chose to set Joseph as, uh, or set him into an office of great responsibility and authority because through Joseph, the information of the famine was made known. And so Egypt was able to accumulate nourishment uh, to provide for the Egyptian people and also for those who would seek to purchase nourishment from the Egyptian powers and principles. And Joseph is one of its high uh one of its office leaders in that department and uh lo and behold joseph's siblings his brothers uh they are or they came to him unknowing that he was their brother he however joseph recognizing that they were his brothers uh came to purchase some grain on behalf of their father's request the necessity of <laughs> the necessity of saving one's life uh, um, brought forth this desperate moment in which they must go seek 
grain, seek some food. And uh, Joseph has certainly been through the whirlwind of emotional uh, temptations uh, and uh, anxieties, if you will, and discernments. Uh, this is a history. There's history in this family. If you're just walking into the family and you think you're going to be able to coordinate things and dictate and judge this and judge that, you're gonna, your, your pride is going to fall uh, with, a, with a very heavy thump. There's history involved here with this family, and things have taken place, and great sorrow has taken place, and withdrawal and division has taken place in this family, unrighteously so, uh, by the hands of his siblings. And um, now, with all the emotional mountains that Joseph had to conquer and persevere through, of course, God with him, having him successful in Egypt, even with the great many hostilities and persecutions against him, he, uh, uh, in conclusion to his, his uh, presence there, uh, was victorious with God. And uh, he now is in the position of leadership, seeing his siblings, and they uh, certainly do not know who he is at this moment, and there has been some to and fro going back to their father, going back to Egypt, and uh, some very serious um, family discussions had been taking place. And again, I encourage you to go back to the archived video sessions of this study, even if you just go back to the beginning of the account, recorded account of Joseph and his brothers, uh, by all means do that. You will probably find some uh, some very interesting sessions as we discuss the text. So this, of course, brought us to chapter 43, last session. Yep, chapter 43, last session, which finished saying he took portions to them, from his own table, this is Joseph, to his brethren, his siblings, if you will. But Benjamin's portion, his younger brother uh, of the same blood, was five times as much as any of theirs, the other siblings. So they feasted and drank freely with him. So that's kind of how uh, the session ended in chapter 43 last week. And now in chapter 44, the flow of the context and the theme therein remains... Uh, Moving forward, if you will, and uh, let's just get into let's just get into it, shall we? With uh, verse one, of chapter forty-four, Genesis. Thanks for being with us. Then he commanded his house steward. This is Joseph. He is in a position of power and leadership. He says to his house steward, the servant that is. Uh, given the task to make sure all things are upright and decent and functioning orderly. And he says to his servant, the house steward, fill the men's sacks. This is Joseph speaking to the house steward to do something to his siblings. Something needs to be done. Fill the men's sacks, their bags, with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his bag, his sack. Put my cup, he says in verse 2, put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest. And if, again, you are accustomed to the account and you've read it uh, before, Joseph is now going through um, 
a repetitive motion with his siblings and his demands and his conditions and trying to, of course, make sense of what is happening now, meeting his, his siblings again after so many years. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, that is Benjamin, and his money for the grain. Um, Joseph has, of course, a motive here. And um, you can almost understand, obviously, for those of us who have gone through similar things in life, um, why he is uh, active on the temptation to do these things. And he did as Joseph had told him. That is, of course, the uh, house steward here. The house steward did as his master commanded him to do. He did that. He put the money back into their bags, and in one of the bags, his younger brother's bag, Benjamin, he put the silver cup. He's, um... How, do, how should I say? He, he's, um... Oh, what's the word now? He's setting him up, if you will, for an accusation. He's setting them up for an accusation. The very thing, of course, his siblings were talking about the first time. This similar, uh, this similar, um, this similar thing that Joseph did with them in in in, in, in uh, chapters prior. And he did as Joseph had told him, verse 3, As soon as it was light, the men were sent away, they with their donkeys. Their means of transportation, with all their belongings, unknowingly they had <laughs> There's a silver cup that belongs to Joseph in Benjamin's bag. They had just gone out of the city, it says here in verse 4, and were not far off when Joseph said to his house steward, basically, get up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? So he's setting him up. And again, you have to really understand the history of this family and what's been taking place and how it must have been, well, I know it is. It's one of the most difficult, challenging um, experiences to overcome and persevere through. Because you have to deal with patience, trial, temptation. You have to deal with um, uh, bitterness and retaliation and revenge. Um, you have to deal with anxiety and uncertainties and doubts and uh, moments of great sorrow and pain and weeping and seeking answers as to what happened and why it happened. Why would they do that to me? Aren't they my brothers? Um, it's a difficult thing to overcome evil and lawlessness at the hands of those closest to us. Um, with man, it is impossible. We as Christians would fall and withdraw ourselves from God's grace if it were not for God's power through his written word and providence and prayer and faithful saints to comfort and heal and encourage and share like-minded 
trials. Uh, it is a very difficult thing that Joseph must have gone through, knowing indeed his own part, his fault to it, in the things he was weak in, uh, with or blind spots he had, uh, in his ignorance, and he had been taken advantage uh, uh, to that end. It's a very difficult thing um, when evil and lawlessness infiltrate a family in such ways. And so there's a lot of history here. There's a lot of emotional investment and a great many um, temptations that have built a great many walls uh, throughout the years. And so um, we can understand why Joseph is trying to regulate his actions forward and knowing how he's going to bring this about to the moment, of course, he must be seeking, which is reveal. A revealing, I'm your brother, I'm Joseph. I'm the one you sold off there, you, you, you left for dead. Like, why would you do that? And you lied to our father about it too, of all things. But I assure you, um, there are evil workers who have the ability to cunningly lie in such a bold-faced manner, in such a manipulative w manner, it will have you question your own sanity. Because you can be looking at a red car, and they will have you thinking that you are insane for not believing the car is blue. Uh, they're very good at it. Many, Some of them found behind pulpits as preachers, as evangelists. Oh, some of them you can find just on Facebook, on podcasts. They're really good at it. Very good at it. Once you wake up to it, though, you know their lies. You know how manipulative they are. Well, that kind of sin and lawlessness, it infiltrates families. And it's been doing so for, obviously, millennia. Here we are reading an account of the devastation that has come. And it took many, many, many years, of course, before uh, the guilty party, which would have been, of course, the accusatory side of things in their youth, would have been the, uh, the driving element of lawlessness against their brother and their father, uh, have lived long enough now to uh, recognize uh, humility, if you will, and insight into situations. And Joseph, in his dealing with what has taken place, is certainly bringing about God's providence to the fact. And behind all of this, of course, is God at the source and power, his will through his providence fulfilling the testament. Um... That family needed to eat food, and the lineage was going to move forward. They needed to survive, and God was going to provide for them through Joseph. And so it's very interesting. So in verse 4 here, up, follow the men. When you overtake them, say to them, uh, why have you repaid evil for good? Like, what you know, have them shocked into a challenge or a piercing of sorts within the heart. Now, again, <laughs> they did not do that. Joseph set them up to accuse them, and uh, that indeed is not something God wants us to do. Uh, but as the human condition is experienced by us, we can certainly, uh, how should we say, connect with Joseph. On <laughs> we can understand the temptation to... to, to to do that. And of course, it's to bring a result of sorts. 
is it not this the one, he says in verse 5, is this is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and which he indeed uses for divination? Have you done wrong? Uh, have you done wrong in doing this? So he overtook them, verse 6, uh, after the instructions were told, of course, to the house steward. And the house steward goes about his master's commands and he is obedient. And so he meets up with uh, Joseph's siblings. And uh, he proceeds, of course, to say what Joseph had told them to say. And they say to him, why does my Lord speak such words as these? Like, why are you saying that? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Um, I'm thinking of how the siblings deceived their father into believing that Joseph had been devoured by wild beasts, yet they had sold him off, if you will, left him for dead almost. And now, they're, they're, you know, the table has turned in such a way after many, many years. And they must be truly taken off guard once again. But, like, what, did, what, what do you mean? Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Like, that... We didn't take anything. What do you mean? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Like, we wouldn't do that. We were just there with you. We were having food. We were having a meal together. I don't understand. Behold, verse 8, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks, we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. This, this took place, of course, chapters prior. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Like, if we didn't do it... Uh, with the money, why would we try to do it with gold uh, or silver? It just makes no sense logically. Like, what, what's our motive? Why, why are we doing this? Why would you ask that? Why, why would you accuse us of such things? Verse 9, with whomever of your servant it is found, let him die. And we also will be my Lord's slaves. They are so secure and convinced in their conscience and their actions and their hearts and who they are at this time that they're willing to put their life on the line. Like, if you find these things on any of us, then execute us. Just execute us. It's over. Like, I mean, I don't know why this is happening. Verse 10, so he said, now let it be, or now let it also be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave and the rest of you shall be innocent. Well, in verse 9, he says, whomever your servants it is found, let him die. So from the siblings' perspective, uh, the idea, of course, is we know we didn't do this, and we're so certain of it that I'm putting our life on the balance here of the outcome. You're not going to find anything, so I'm obviously not going to have to die. I'm so, I mean, and at the moment, obviously, with the heart thumping at the anxiety of the situation and how to deal with it. Listen, if you find if you find those things on any of us, then it's a death sentence. I, I, I put my life on it, pretty much. But this is not what is returned, of course, in condition from the house steward. He says, now let it also be according to your words. He with, he with whom it is found shall be my slave. So that part stays. The individual who has a silver or gold in his sack, in his bag, will be indeed the slave. 
uh, but the rest of you will be found innocent. But they were like, no, you know, if it's if it's found on the one, then it should be a death sentence. Well, no, it's he'll be a slave. And then they hurried, of course, in verse 11, and each man lowered his sack to the ground and each man opened his sack. Like, let's get this done. Let's, let's, we didn't take anything. Verse 12, he searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. There it is, though. I was fully convinced it's not there, but yet there it is. How did it get there? How did that happen? Then they tore their clothes in verse 13, obviously, in custom also, of course, to the culture and the things taking place. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? This is a mess. It's a mess. They tore their clothes. Deep devastation. I can't believe they found that there. We're being set up again. We're being set up. What's happening? And when each man loaded his donkey, they returned to the city. There it is. We got to go back to Egypt. Now when Judah, Judah's been playing a pretty good part all over the place here in these past chapters, hasn't he? Even from the very beginning, he was the voice of opposition. Not enough, though, to stop evil from taking place. So a semi-reason, not to its fullest uh, accomplishment or anything, but he, he's been in it. He, he, he's feeling very guilty. He's having moments of clarity, and he's recognizing in his own mind, man, oh man, we've, ro- we've messed up. What we did is wrong, and now we're paying for it, aren't we? Oh, oh, oh. I knew this would come back. I knew it. Yeah, it, it, it always does come back. The truth always does come out. Are you going to be humble enough to be like, oh man, we messed up, forgive me. Or are we going to be stiff-necked and rebellious? It always comes back. You can't ruin marriages and families and churches and friendships and be a self-righteous, diatrophic, pharisaical, cunning liar, bold-faced, this, that, and the other. You you cannot practice these these lawless ways and have built a resume of that chaos and unrighteous division and slander and deceit and manipulation of mind science, utilizing mind science for manipulation over people's lives and souls and creating so much sorrow and you can't, you can't build a resume of those things and it's not going to catch up to you. You will reap what you sow. It is coming. And for those of us who are eagerly awaiting that justice, it is coming. It's an inevitable end. And it was for, for, for Joseph's siblings as well. It, you can't do what you've done and keep doing those things and it not catch up to you. It will. With all the damage I have done in my past life, I assure you, it's catching up to me in my mind, in my body, in my, in my thoughts, and everything. Sin and lawlessness has a deep scar. The individuals you chose to allow in your life, those you thought were your friends, were actually taking advantage of you and betraying you, lying about you and slandering you. You have to deal with those moments of your own weakness and the moments in which you you were you not uh, uh, discerning properly. I mean, things catch up. The truth always comes out. 
And Judah is starting, you know, he's recognizing this path. His age has allowed him this wisdom, I think. If you've lived enough life, right? Sadly, some never wake up to it. Some never, some, some will never, you know. So when Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. And they fell to the ground before him. I mean, what are they going to do? The evidence has been found. There it is. You stole from me, right? So Joseph says to them in verse 15, what is this deed that you have done? Now, they didn't do that. Again, Joseph would not be upright to Christian principles in doing what he has done to his siblings. But man, oh man, I can't. I cannot say I would not have done the same in his position. Now with great power and leadership, having had those ages of sorrow in his heart that he had finally thought finished and thanking God for. Thank you, God, for, for allowing me to no longer think about my siblings and my family, my father, and all the damage and the pain and the division that took place so many years ago. Thank you for curing me and giving me a, a, a wonderful, blessed life. And boom, they appear before him. Oh, man, all these feelings are coming back. All these emotions, toxic and sorrowful emotions from these people. Now they're back in my life. I mean, I'm going to... It's very tempting. And he fell into that temptation. He could have done much worse. He could have been like execution. All of them. They all need to die. It would have been very tempting to do that. It's very tempting at times to take these individuals... Hog tie him, put on a blindfold, drag him into a basement somewhere and be like, do you know how much pain you've caused us? Do you know the sin and the amount of, the measurement of sin you've sinned against God, his church, his people? Your pride has been blinding you, but I'm going to give you a wake up call right here and now. How tempting that must have been for Joseph, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. But he did do this. He did set them up. He is, if you will, um, messing around with their, their minds in a great deal. What is this deed you, that you have done? What have you done this? Do you not know that such a man as I can indeed practice divination? You know that? Well, let's do something here. Let's check out a word, shall we? What is this? Uh, Genesis chapter 44, verse 15. Verse 44, verse 44, chapter 44, verse 15, divination. Let's go do something, shall we? Let's open up something here. Come on, go in there. Yeah. Genesis, Genesis 44, verse 15. Let's go to Bible Hub. Let's look at a word together, you and I, so we can read it. That good? Yeah, you know, we're going to look for that word, div divination. Let's just check something out here. Uh, where's the, the Greek? Or it's going to lead us probably to uh, Strong's anyways, but uh, I just want to... Where did they put the Greek? Usually, usually they have it right there, and I can see it, unless you guys can see it now. For some reason, I can't. 
can't find it there. Well, let's just go to Strong's then first. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, okay, there we go. Interrogative Genesis. Strong's. And this. What is this deed? And for whatever reason, BibleHub.com now is the slowest running website. It used to be so quick, but now it's so slow. And I tend to believe Google somehow is behind this mess, but can surely divine the truth. Okay, there it is. So that's kind of giving us a bit more insight. Divination, divine the truth, discern the truth, perhaps. It says, uh, to practice divination, divine, observe signs, learn by experience, diligently observe. Let's, let's, uh, here, if I can blow it up on the screen, you'll see it a bit more if I can. Maybe not. Again, it's so slow. Oh, man. Now it's going major slow. To practice divination, divine, it's not even reallocating to the size of the format yet. It's so slow. Practice fortune telling, practice divination. It has various operational uh, interpretations, if you will, but within the context, of course, Joseph uh, and uh, being successful for God and being one whom God, of course, is delivering the interpretation to dreams to uh, Egyptian uh, uh, powers, uh, the interpretation would be more along the lines of, of course, discerning the truth. Discerning the truth. That's what's taking place. He has the experience and the know-how to discern the truth. That's what he's telling them. That's what would make more most sense here. What is this deed that you have done? Do you not know that such a man as I can indeed discern a truth from a lie? Well, again, Joseph in his emotion, uh, getting the best of him, uh, is indeed practicing something that is uh, nefarious, if you will. Um, he is agenda-driven with the motive of great pain in his heart, but yet... He loves them. He loves them dearly. He's missed them. Um, it's sad. But that's what's taking place. So this is what he has to say to them. Don't you know that I can discern the difference between the truth and a lie? I wish brethren today could do the same, discern the difference between a truth and a lie. Some brethren just can't. Oof, can't for the life of them. And we've been witness to that these past years. Some brethren just cannot discern the difference. <laughs> They'd side with the Pharisees and rebuke Jesus. They'd uh, support uh, Diotrephes and uh, slander uh, Demetrius. It's, it's sad, but it's true. Some would have sided with uh, Joseph's siblings in what they've done. I guarantee you. Oh, that's sound. That's sound and faithful. And uh, he's a good and sound gospel preacher. <laughs> really? You obviously don't know him like we do, do you? So Judah says, this is what he has to say to Joseph, who just told him, can't you, do you know who I am? I have power here. And not only power, but I have the wisdom, the insight to recognize and discern the truth from a lie. And to lend description also to divination, he was able of interpreting uh, Pharaoh's dreams, not of his own accord and power, mind you, but through God. But yet still, he utilizes that description to his sense. I can discern the difference between a truth and a lie, and I can interpret a situation. You calling me a liar or what? I know you had stuff in your bag. So Judah, of course, steps up again to the plate, and he has been doing so these past chapters, hasn't he? He's feeling guilty, man. He wants to just 
It has to come out. What can we say to my Lord? What can we say? Like, is there anything? Is your heart so fixed, so fixated and agenda driven that there is absolutely no defense to these accusations from our end? Like, is there anything that needs to be said? It's almost like Jesus before Pilate, like Pilate saying, don't you answer me? Don't you know I have the power to send you to the cross, you know, or to save you your life? And Jesus, of course, is like, you wouldn't have any authority if it wouldn't be given to you from on high. God gave you the, the permission to do what you're doing. Well, sometimes you don't, like, what could be said? What was Jesus going to say to Pilate to convince him anyways? Well, he was going to go through with the fulfillment of redemption for mankind, of course. What can we say to my Lord? Judah's just, there's really no other conversation to be had. What can we speak, he says? And how can we justify ourselves? We've been totally set up with no room to wiggle here. Your house steward found items in our bags that we were firmly convinced we didn't take. But that doesn't matter, does it? Because you guys are fully convinced that we did. And I don't know why, but I'm sure it has to do with our guilt. It has to do with the things we've done in our life catching up to us. We're reaping what we've sown. God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Well, God's known it for a while now. See, God knows stuff already. We just catch up to it. We just catch up to it. Why did that? Joseph, why, why did this happen to you? Well, maybe you were arrogant. Maybe you knew your father's favorability towards your, yourself and you used that high-handedly against your siblings. Maybe you had a weakness in there. What part did you play in this whole ploy, Joseph, to have gone through the deep sorrow you've gone through? Have you been driven to humility? Yes. Have you seen your part in further facilitating your siblings' weaknesses to a measurement in which they acted upon lawless, their lawless thoughts and temptations? Yeah. Okay. Does that now somehow void their guilt of what they have done? No. No. If there is a measurement of consequence to the sin, the siblings has a greater sin. They should have known better to treat their brother like that. Even if their brother was a little brat and he was braggadocious or arrogant towards them or ignorant or whatever. Dad loves me. He hates you guys. Ha ha ha. Look at me. I got a cool coat now. You guys don't, you know, whatever. Sometimes that takes place. Why have you gone through deep sorrow? Whom have you allowed to infiltrate your life? You know, those red flags, they were there for a reason, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Many of us who have been humbled greatly had to look at what part we played in the whole problem. Well, we had a weak spot, didn't we? Yeah. Yes, we were psychologically manipulated. 
Yes, malicious words and slander and gossips and whispers behind our back were being done to recruit against us. Yes, all those things, but we, we, we permitted it. We didn't allow those red flags from the very beginning to tell us, hey, this, this, these individuals are a problem or there's a problem here that needs to be uh, uh, fixed or withdrawn from immediately before it, it snowballs to the moment in which they say, hey, let's get rid of Joseph. Let's get rid of Joseph, shall we? So Judah, of course, it, all these, uh, this emotional roller coaster, this history in this family is taking place, and now they find themselves at this very pivotal moment. We are but brief moments away from reve uh, the revealing and the uh, reuniting. So Judah says to Joseph, how can we, and he doesn't know he's speaking to Joseph. They still do not know that they are speaking to Joseph. What can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of our servants. And once you reach that moment in your life, just let it go. And pray God and confess your sins and beg forgiveness and beg forgiveness of those you've sinned greatly against as well. This is the, this is the door. It's right there before you. You've lived a life of splitting marriages, families, friendships, churches. You've, you've, you've spent a life as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Your pride is so thick, the log sticking out from your forehead no longer even allows you to walk anywhere. You've severed every bridge. You've, you've, you've done it. That's going that's to catch up to you. Judah knows everything we've done to this family, the pain we've caused our father. We've unrighteously split the family, the siblings. We've lied. We've been deceiving. We've been manipulative. We've broken a great many things. We've sinned a great sin against God and against our father and against our brother. God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves. It's done. What else is there to fight against? As Peter would probably fully understand, the iniquities have come to roost. The iniquities have come to roost. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whose possession the cup has been found. Our youngest, Benjamin, my father's only pride and joy right now. It's done. It's over. Is it? But he said, verse 17, far be it from me to do this. The man in whose possession the cup has been found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. Well, Joseph is being a, a bit obviously uh, ignorant here to the situation. I mean, they've had some pretty serious conversations with their father, haven't they? Judah ain't going back without Benjamin. That ain't going to happen anymore. Judah has many years of burden upon his shoulders and guilt. Many years. 
it's interesting because uh uh how should i say it no i won't even go there no time for that we got so many verses to go through but he said far be it from me to do this right but then judah verse 18 approached him okay listen <laughs> listen he is fully submissive. He, he's broken. His humility is producing an outward act of repentance, if you will. Oh, my Lord. He understands the position of power here before him, the leadership of Joseph's hand. Oh, my Lord. May your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ear. Could you please give me a few minutes? I have to speak to you. And do not be angry with your servant. For you are equal to Pharaoh. Imagine that, how successful Joseph had become by God's hand and providence. And his siblings know it. They just don't know it's Joseph yet. So he's truly opening up with great humility and honor. How do we speak to God first and foremost? Holy Father, great and powerful God, you are the almighty power that has set things in order. All that is good and upright and decent. You are the power that has set this creation in order. You are most worthy of our worship and praise there is no other power but you. You are the living God. May you find us faithful. May you find us of utility as legal citizens in your son's kingdom. See, the idea, of course, is to understand that God is just not a good old buddy. Hey, man, how's it going today? I got some stuff to ask you for. Aren't you a vending machine anyways? No, no, listen... There is a model of honor and reverence in which we must bow ourselves in conversation to God. Yes, of course, at times you're driving and you're thanking God for this, that, and the other, of course, but there should be a dedicated time in which you understand. Yet even when you're driving or it is a quick prayer of thanks, you're still not going to say, hey, buddy, thanks, man, I really appreciate that one. Well, no, he's not your buddy. He is God. He has forever been, is, and will forever be. Until you can speak a flower into existence within the palm of your hand, man, we best be reverent and bow ourselves down when we speak to God. So it is a sense, of course, it is a practice of humility and understanding the category of leadership here at hand. And, of course, Judah, he, recognize it, he recognizes it before God now and before his master this leader. Oh, my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. My Lord asks his servant, saying, have you a father or a brother? He's going through, of course, we've, we've gone through that, you and I, from the chapters past. He's, he's, re, he's, he's, uh, how should I say, he's bringing back these conversations he's had with Joseph. Or in his mind, this leader here in Egypt. He's bringing back the conversations he's had. It's his, it's his only defense to be honest and transparent. Why try to hide anything? There's just 
put it out there. My Lord asked his servant, this is what you told me. You said, have you a father or a brother? You asked me that question. And we said to you, we have an old father and a little child of his old age. Yes, we have a father and he has a son. Now his brother is dead. They thought of Joseph. See, it's how they buried their guilt. He's dead. It's, it's happened. It was so tra tragic. It was so long ago. Yeah, you know, I don't even remember what happened there. You know, it was just crazy. I think wild beast eat, ate him. You know, you, you bury that lie deep in your thoughts for a long time. Well, now it's going to come up, isn't it? So he alone is left of his mother. And his father loves him. His father loves him. Like he's truly being or giving an emotional argument to Joseph here. Because I think he's passionately meaning it. I don't think that Judah's now trying to be deceptive in any way. I, I think Judah's just like, this is it, man. We're at the mercy of your, 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 uh, your, uh, Authority. We're at the mercy of your judgment. Then you said to your servant, he continues in bringing back memory to the conversations that have taken place between Joseph and his siblings. Then you said to us, bring Benjamin down to me that I may set my eyes on him. I want to see you. You wanted us to bring Benjamin. You wanted to see him. But we said to you that the lad cannot leave his father. We can't separate them. We cannot separate Benjamin from his father because we've already separated you from him. Now, they don't know who the you is yet, right? They don't know it's Joseph. For if he should leave his father, his father would die. He's lost one son. Don't make him lose another. One is enough. If you want to truly break him, You said, this is what you said. This is a conversation being had by Judah, which is Joseph's brother. But Judah don't know he's speaking to Joseph, his brother. But Joseph, hearing this very passionate and emotional arguments, re revisiting the conversations that have been had, he's, he's leading up to something. He's telling him what's going on. Joseph knows who he is. He's his sibling. You said to your servants, however, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. You made the condition so hard-lined. You drew a line in the sand and there was no, it was an impasse. Either this was going to be, either we were going to do what you tell us to do or we we're going to starve and die. Thus it came about, Judah speaking to Joseph, about when we went up to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. We, we literally told dad what you told us. And our father said, go back, buy us a little food. Like we're going to die of starvation in this famine if we don't have food. And Egypt happens to have food and we have money to buy food. So we need to go. It's not an option. We have to do it. It must be done. It must be done. There's no way around this. But we said to our father, of course, we cannot go down if our youngest brother is with us. Uh, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our younger brother or our youngest brother is with us. So 
dead. There's no way around this, man. Let's stop having this conversation. Let's end the conversation. There's no way around this. It has to be done. If you want food and we don't die of starvation, I have to go up there and see this Egyptian leader with Benjamin. That's it. To which, of course, his father said, well, if that's where it's at, it's an impasse. And the only way past the impasse is to abide by the conditions. Sometimes that's just how it has to be. There is no longer any fellowship. There has been a withdrawal. You separate yourself from toxic, evil brethren who live and practice sinful things. Well, it's an impasse. I love you. I miss you. But until you are humbled into repentance, there's not going to be a bridge to build. Your servant... My father said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. This is of the same blood lineage, of course. So the plea of how deep the uh, connection and love is with the son. And the one went out from me, and I said, surely he is torn into in pieces. Again, fully convinced in a lie. We can be fully convinced in a lie. The Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the scribes, all that. Most were firmly convinced in their conscience that bringing Christ to the cross is right. And it's what God wants us to do. And I assure you they had a book, chapter, verse for it. I assure you they had a book, chapter, verse for it. They did, right before Pilate. Yeah, 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 he's a blasphemous individual. He's breaking our law in Leviticus. He's a blasphemer, calling himself the Son of God. For a period of time, Joseph's siblings could have been certainly firmly rooted in their deception and thinking themselves of good conscience. It had to be done. It had to be done. It was, it was right to do that. Pride. I had to destroy everything around me. It's what's right. And you know, Pharisees today who creep in, of course, they're the same way. They're firmly convinced in their error. Firmly convinced. Well, enough time has passed. The siblings have learned a few lessons in life, and they are being humbled here greatly. Your servant, my father, said this to us. You know that my wife has bore us two sons, and the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I have not seen him since. Imagine that's your thought of your son. Like, that's not what happened, and that's not... Your son's still alive. And that's not what happened, by the way. But you are firmly convinced. And you know, a great many people, the, the majority of individuals are firmly convinced of a lie, whether it be in the political realm or in the religious realm. And sadly, a great many Christian brethren who go to a church that has a sign outside that says Church of Christ are firmly convinced in their conscience that they are right when they are wrong. 
firmly convinced that they are right when they are wrong? How do we know? How can we remove ourselves from that bondage? Well, humility. You have to look in the mirror and say, what did I do? What, 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 what happened here? What's going on? You have to assess the situation. And you have to look at the scriptures and you have to balance what is good and what is true. If you take this one also from me, it says in verse 29, and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. You'll, you'll throw me straight to the land of the dead. Can't say, I can't lose Benjamin. Now, therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, Benjamin, don't make it back. Dad, don't make it. The two are become one. Now, when he sees, verse 33, that the lad is not with us, he will die. He will die. There's no way around that. Now, I don't know if he would have, but you understand the strong, passionate, desperate plea in which Judah is presenting Joseph. Thus, your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. You're all going to throw us in the land of the dead. If you do this, if you take away Benjamin, for your servant became surety for the lad to my father. Like I gave my word to dad that Benjamin was going to be safe or else I become a slave or I die. If I do not bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. The guilt will remain on my shoulders. And what a heavy burden that'll be. Man, oh man. Some people, sadly, they purposely remove themselves from this earth when such burden is upon the mind. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord. And let the lad go up with his brothers. The argument, of course, is not necessarily based in in anything but human appeal and condition. Like, hey, man, do you have a heart? Like, do you actually have a heart? I know it, it, it's it's strange. Some don't. Some, I, oh, they have the organ, you know, it pumps blood and everything, and they have a thinking mind, but they don't have heart they they can't have empathy or sympathy they don't have care they 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 do not practice remorse they have no mercy they don't care they don't care if they destroy you and your wife and your life and your 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 work your they don't they just don't care they're firmly convinced that what they're doing is right so they have no emotion to it. They're, they they are stoic to it. And I know stoicism has its right place. It's right place. You have to you have to practice stoicism at times. It's it, of course, but to be void of any charity, of any love, some don't. I'm telling you, some will die and leave this earth, having held the title Christian. Some of them elders or preachers, evangelists, podcasters. I assure you, fully drenched in hate, claiming to you that what they are doing is for love. Well, Judah is appealing to Joseph. Does Joseph have a heart? Does Joseph have a heart? Well, of course, Joseph has one. 
Joseph has heart. And Judah's just at, 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 at the very transparent humility of appealing to that emotion. Our dad's going to die if you take away his son. Isn't that bad? Now to a uh, what modern tongue would call a high-handed or a high measurement of spectrum as a narcissist, he don't care about that. Same thing. He'll, he'll break, he keeps breaking families. He don't care about that stuff. It's all for his own selfish gain, jealousy, greed, ambition, stuff like that. He don't, he don't care about the pain he's brought. Well, Joseph, of course, is cut from a different cloth, and so are these siblings. They just fell prey to the hardness and rebel uh, to the hardness of their youth in, in, in being misguided to hate their brother in such a way. But now, full circle, time has passed, many things have happened in life, and uh, he has this appeal towards Joseph and, and, and begging him pretty much, listen, don't do this bad thing. It's a bad thing what you're doing. It'll hurt the family even more than we are already hurt. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me? for fear that I see the evil that would overtake my father. You truly have to place yourself in the deep sorrow of this family's history and what has taken place here. And how this very moment is peaking where Joseph, for a time had kept his identity private from them. And they, having lived a bit more life, Judah more so leading this humility, this forceful burden of guilt upon him, in which he spoke, God's just... God's disciplining us to this very moment because of the things we've done. And of course, this final appeal to verse 34 of chapter 44 brings forth a very um, difficult, very difficult moment in Joseph. Joseph had thus far, for the most part, contained his emotions. There was a few breaking points, but he was able to maintain his composure. But when you love someone so much, like a like a sibling, and I know that, I know what that feels like. I, I love and miss mine. Devoured, sadly, by a wolf in sheep's clothing. Filled with bitterness and anger and slander. Fully convinced fully convinced of the accusations and the malicious words and the slander. But now time has passed, to which all of us who have gone through similar pain pray God that after enough time has passed, humility will be found in the hearts of those both recruited by deception and those who high-handedly practiced it and caused so much chaos. And here is this breaking point, this reunion of sorts. So, 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 so Judah's final word here to Joseph in verse 34, for how shall I go to my father? Whose father? It's Joseph's father. You see how, how personal this is. 
This is very personal to Joseph. There's history here. There's been years of emotional turmoil. You truly have to put yourself into it. If you do, you, you might weep. I did when I read it before even going live. It, it's a very sorrowful tale that has a very wonderful ending, if you will. Well, verse 1 of chapter 45. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried. He cried. You can't take it anymore. You can't take it anymore. The people I've loved so much, whom I taught were my, 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 my blood brothers, my friends, they done this to me. And I know I should not have aggravated them, or I know I should have been smarter to, to catch on to their, their deception and the things they were doing. I, I, but now justice has come. And the emotional appeal, of course, hits a chord so strong that you can't contain it. The neighbors are going to hear it. The neighbors are going to hear it. You can't contain it anymore. It's been held in for so many years. Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried. One of the most powerful leaders in Egypt of his day and age and era. A man that must have been driven in a great many ways. He breaks down. It's done. It's time to let it out now. It's time to let it out. He cries and he says, Have everyone go out from me. Ah. Leave us alone, right? We need to be alone for this. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. It was but him and his siblings. There's history in this family. There's a long lineage here. Deep sorrow, division, pain at the hands of lawlessness and lawless and evil acts. Full circle. He wept so loudly, this is Joseph, that the Egyptians heard it. Well, the neighbors are hearing it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. How could I explain this in keeping my own emotions in check so I don't start bawling in front of you here? Um, uh, okay. The last of the series, the Godfather trilogy, to which I don't recommend, by the way. I watched those movies in my past life, but I'm pretty sure they're probably not for everyone's conscience. But anyways, there's a scene in the third one where Al Pacino, who is now the head power, Michael Corleone, um, he has to see his daughter being shot and die in his arms. And there is such a wailing and weeping and crying and scream, like such a loud, that at first is so potent and powerful it, it can't even, it, it, it has yet to materialize 
materialize itself in a, in a sound. But then as it catches traction, it, it, it's just a, so powerful of a scream and pain from a father losing or having his daughter's life limb in his, in his arms. I weep to that every time. Now more so as a father, obviously. It's personal now. It gets closer to heart to the heart. There's a hope here of renewal with his father, his siblings. The scream was so loud and so potent. I mean, everybody heard it. I've seen that in real time. And though you might not be directly connected to the situation, why do you cry with it? Because we can, we, can, we, we can associate with that pain. And even if we ourselves have not yet gone through such a pain, we can associate with it because of the human connection. We have a conscience. Here's Joseph with his brothers, and there's a lot of history here, man. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of pain in that family. There's a lot of pain in that family. You got to get rid of the cancer away from the family. Once the cancer is out, then there is hope for healing. There's hope for bridge building. See, once they remove the cancer, then we can sit down and have a conversation. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Imagine saying this. Just imagine saying this. I am Joseph. And he's screaming it. He see, it has the punch behind it. I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They were dismayed at his presence. Let's look that word up, shall we? Let's look dismayed. Let's look what it says. What is this now? Um, Genesis chapter 45, verse 3. Genesis chapter 45, verse 3. Genesis chapter 45, Jan 45. Verse 3. Let's go look for that word, shall we? Where's Bible Hub? There we go, Bible Hub. And let's just look at what's taking place here. If it ever gets there, I hate that it's so slow, man. I want to know what that word is. Uh, or the and, and this is surface stuff, you know, word study surface stuff. It's not a deep... But it still gives you the proper, upright description of things taking place, for sure. You can, you can see a bit more depth, depth to it and understand what's taking place. Well, where's the Greek option or the... Uh, oh, I know what I got to do. I got to shrink it down a little bit. There we go. And then we'll get to see... Uh, 
the option to go to Strong's, let's say, or let's see here. Okay, uh, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, still alive. Is my father still alive? Come on, go down. I'm scrolling, and it's just taking forever. They were terrified. Okay, so the word terrified here to this translation. To disturb, to alarm, terrify, hurry, be disturbed, be anxious, be afraid, be hurried, be nervous. To be disturbed, dismayed, terrified, anxious, hastened, hastily gained, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that seems about right. That sounds about right. That would make sense. His brothers could not answer him because they were pretty much terrified, petrified. A moment of great anxiety here. What? Like, just imagine it. Like, if you've been following our study sessions here, we've gone through the previous chapters... Man, this is, it was building up, building up, and building up, and here's the very moment, the very pivotal moment here, and it's just like, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? They must have been, well, as the Bible describes, dismayed. Then, verse 4, Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. It's, it, it, it was the God through his providence and the hearts of men willing to humble themselves because, again, enough of life had driven them to this moment. And God's power does that through his providence, I assure you. People keep asking me, how did you manage to leave the kind of life you were leave, living before? It's a series of events. It's not just this one thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, an accumulation, a snowball of, of of events that lead you to a point in the that you're just. It's broken you down so much. You're 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 ready to change. You're ready to confess your sins. You're ready to make what right what has been wrong for so long, and it comes at a deep scream and sorrow. I I still remember being on my knees and my head to the ground and begging God for forgiveness because it was soaking in how I had been uh, a heathen and a pagan against him for, for decades and how I had ruined my mind and my life with a great many sorrows and a great many pains. And it's just a buildup that is so huge and heavy that it takes weeks to flush out and and, and just weep and, 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 and just, it's just, oh man, I can't even find the words right now it's just so devastating you don't go through something like that and throw it all away you don't go from something like that and become corrupted that's why i'm so thankful for many of my dear friends and fellow saints and supporters who were capable of discerning who i truly am from what a slanderer's mouth has to say it reached the pivotal moment in which Judah and the siblings and Joseph were ripe for this moment, and God knew it, and here they are, the revealing. It's time to, 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 to bring things together again here, right? Please come closer to me. There's no longer any hostility, no bitterness, no revenge, no retaliation, no high-handed this or high-handed that, no nefarious this or nefarious that. Everyone's cards are pretty much revealed to the point of humility and having a moment here where they can uh, fellowship or 
speak of it or have it available in their thoughts. I never, I never thought that would happen ever. They were gone. I was thanking God they were gone. Here they are. And they came closer and said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Imagine how difficult that must have been. But here's what takes place. You sinned against me. You sinned against me. You used me. You took advantage of me. I was your brother. Why did you split the family that way? Why did you do that? You took a son away from a father. I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into, into Egypt. You sinned against me. I am that brother. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. That's a powerful thing to say. That's a powerful thing to say. For those of us who have and are living through the same principle, if you will, the same insight, the same wisdom, same sorrow, I can understand that, that moment and how God works. I'm over it. God has blessed us beyond what we even deserve. Joseph had attained a measurement of socio-political status and authority, man, that <laughs> would have not been successful without God. So he saw the purpose of God. God didn't want his brothers to sell him into bondage. God, God did not encourage or promote lawlessness. But just as the devil thought himself victorious over Christ when he was on that cross, he was losing, wasn't he? Just when his siblings to Joseph thought they had finally gotten rid of Joseph and finally achieved and been victorious of their plot to murder him, to get rid of him somehow, God utilized for the victory of their family and the lineage to continue. Sometimes we just don't see it right now. All we see is the pain and the sorrow. Then that moves into seeing all the blessings, how God takes care of the faithful. And then perhaps one day, once the cancer has been removed, exposed for the frauds they are, then perhaps family can speak of the things that have taken place and reveal those moments and say, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Don't do that. Enough time's passed now. We've heard enough, haven't we? I can see you're humble. And he tested them. Why is that? Why can we make it to this moment? For God sent me before you to preserve life. That's the purpose. For the famine, verse 6, has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sees these things, man. He sees it. He has seen it. That's why we can put our trust in a God that has seen all tomorrows. Man, we don't know what's going to happen the next hour, let alone remember what happened an hour past. 
God sees these things. When Joseph was in the gull of, of great pain and sorrow and realizing what had taken the attack that took place on him. Like, how did that happen for my own brothers? Why did they do that to me? At that moment, God already knew that Joseph was going to be given such a position of power to sustain the family with nourishment. So sometimes you may be found in that very moment of great despair and sorrow. And I know what that feels like. Know that God has a plan. And if you are faithful to him, you won't starve when the famine comes. So he continues and says, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant or a yeah a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance i firmly believe that principle to be well and alive today though of course we no longer live under the commandments and law of the old testament we certainly learn from it as paul commanded us to why because we see god here his nature and we see man and theirs. And how yet still God and his nature and his fallen mind, God utilizes for the greater good of his kingdom. And the faithful are blessed for it and the evil to their demise. God sent me before you to preserve Preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. We were delivered, weren't we? And we've been given this beautiful new work. Look at what Joseph has now. Look at what Joseph has now. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. You see, it is so important that we recognize our thanks to God, even through the sorrow we endure. For his son has endured all sorrows and was tempted in all things just like you and I, yet willfully went to that cross and gave his life so you and I can be with him forever one day and to follow him here on this earth. We give our thanks to God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. There's a different tongue, isn't it? It's very different than Nebuchadnezzar. Look at what I have done. I've done all of this. I've done all of this. Prideful preachers, man, they, they, they're they going to have a hard fall. Prideful preachers are going to get a hard fall. I took over and I'm the reason everything's going right. And I did this and I did that. And I pushed out those guys and I pushed out this and I did this. And I... You're going to fall and the thump is going to be loud and heard around the world. God will have you go eat some grass for a while. Joseph gave thanks for all he had 
because he knew who gave it to him. I am reminded of that each day to wake up. And you and I better practice this. Each day you wake up, thank him that you woke up. You have a bed, you have food, shelter, and clothing. Thank, thank him. Everything is, is thanks to God. Everything. We would have nothing without him. Nothing. Joseph knows this. Joseph says in verse 9, Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. <laughs> Judah was talking to Joseph uh, that if Benjamin's taken away, his dad's going to die. But I don't know which one's going to take him away. Grief or joy to hear that Joseph is still alive. Or anger that it's been kept from him all this time? We'll learn a lot more from that moment, Lord willing, in sessions to come. But we're going to finish off this here session till we get to verse 15. You shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, and you and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks, and your herds, and all that you have. Imagine! What was broken and divided by acts of lawlessness has been brought together with such a prize. And it is through the willing hearts of repentance and humility. Imagine what God could do with us if we just humbled our hearts and worked together. But that can't be done while there is a, an unwantingness to repent. Look at what they have now. In a famine, mind you. To be embraced by one of the most highest powers in Egypt. That happens to be family. There will also, verse 11... There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come. And you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. God's going to save us. Security. Security. I understand that. We understand security for mom and dad, don't we? For family? My parents were evicted a few days ago from their apartment. They had been then there eight years. They were evicted. They were told, you got to go, and you have till the end of January. And I'm being very merciful towards you by giving you all that time to leave. Because the city said we have to renovate our apartment. It's a law. We got to do that. It's a thing that's happening in the city here. And they kick out the seniors, and they bring on a new couple, and put up the rent, $500, $600, It's legal. They're doing it. We want to build an in-law suite. Small, modest, quick as possible, before the ground freezes. Security. We know this life is filled with challenges, ups and downs, and burdens. But together, when we are in fellowship and upright and faithful, God blesses us. His will be done. I can recognize 
how wonderful it must have been for Joseph to say to his family, you need not worry, you have security now, because God's going to take care of us together as a family. God is the reason. God is the reason. It's just powerful to me. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine. Behold, he says in verse 12, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. The truth has set you free. It has removed you from the bondage of guilt and burden at the hands of sin, lawlessness. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt. Go evangelize. Go tell the truth. I'm not dead. You know, Jesus is not dead. The devil thought he was. And so did the Jews and the Roman powers when they put him in that tomb. But go tell the world of the good news. Jesus ain't dead. He rose. Didn't he? Go tell my siblings and my father I live. And we're going to live in security. God is the reason. God is the reason. We've been blessed with this new property here. This new house. Well, new to us. Built in the 70s. But new to us. It's all God. God has seen us through a very, very difficult time at the hands of some of the most evil, toxic individuals. It's all God. He's given us security. He's given us hope. He's given us purpose to continue to speak the good news to folks. Jesus ain't dead. Man, you should get to know who this man is. And that's why we've been growing. Because we've been sharing with people who this man is. Now you must tell my father of all the splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen. And you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. You just imagine. The, the, man, this is... Well, you see those stories on TV. Long-lost siblings finally meet again. Or a long-lost child meets his parent again. It's just... It's heart-wrenching, man. You cry with them. It hurts. But at the same time, it's a, it's a hurt of joy. They finally get to see each other again. And, 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 and without all this bitterness, and there's going to be so much time to heal and talk it out and communicate, it's so much easier when the hearts are humble. But when hearts are stiff-necked with those beady, bold-faced eyes, you're damned to hell, you moron, unless you bow down and kiss my ring and admit that all the accusations against you and our slanders, what is true and real. You can't, you can't, you, you'll never have anything with that. You can't, stay away from that. Joseph and his siblings could not have had this moment way back when Joseph's siblings were plotting to get rid of him. Verse 15 finishes off the section. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them, and afterward his brothers talked with him. See, now there's a bridge that we can build. We can have conversation. The deep pain that has been there for, it seems forever, has now been removed. Has now been removed. Isn't that something? Man, 
an hour and a half. Obviously, I knew it was going to take a bit of time to get to that section, but I just couldn't stop it at, at chapter 44 and then uh, go and jump into chapter 45 verses 1 through 15 afterwards. Now, chapter 45 verses 1 through 15 had to belong with chapter 44, and I knew it was going to take an hour and a half, but I certainly appreciate your kind attention. If anything has been said here that has challenged you, friends, listen, it's best that you just humble yourself and repent, really. It's, the, it's, it's what we need to do, isn't it? To find that joy. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. If you find value, by all means, give a thumbs up, like, share, comment, all that kind of stuff. Please consider, if you are willing and able, to support this kind of work. This is how we build tents, if you will, quote unquote. We do it from the love of our hearts to share with you our studies Sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can support there. You can send donation to uh, uh, through PayPal over at added so- uh, the email address addedsouls at gmail.com. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada. You can reach out to me. You can have a phone call. You can have a video chat, email exchange. You can have all of that. God can heal us. God can take care of us. Lord willing, next week on Wednesday on our study session, midweek study sessions, we'll, we'll, we'll finish the chapter from verse 16 through verse 28. And I mean, I'm telling you, there's some wonderful information coming as well. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that is very practical in application to our faith today as you and I live under the stewardship of the Messianic age as legal citizens of his kingdom as we eagerly anticipate his return to be with him forevermore. Friends, if you've not become a believer, start looking into these things. Start looking into these things. There's answers to our questions in life. Really, there is. Stay focused and stay positive. Know that you are appreciated and loved. Peace out.